0: morning, everybody. My name is Mike, and this is Driving Theology, and I'm glad you're here with me. This uh, fine December day, man, it's beautiful. It's been chilly lately, but it is just gorgeous outside. No wind to speak of. Sunny, blue sky, and uh, Christmas just around the corner. And, and uh... Man, I'm kind of excited about Christmas this year. You know it's been it's been a lot of fun so far getting ready for it. I mean there's some stress involved obviously. Um, but I don't know. maybe maybe I'm finally getting over the hump. Maybe maybe uh, there's gonna be some times of refreshing in the near future, which would be great. Uh, anyway, today is the third week of Advent, and depending on how you separate it, you know, there, there are different ways that people do it, uh, with uh, themes, and of course, um, not just themes, uh, but uh, actual words. Uh, for example, you know, I've heard it, I've heard the candles called, uh, you know, what we've been doing, hope, uh, last, the first week was hope, uh, last week was peace. Yeah, hope, peace. Today I'm going to do love and next week I'll do joy. Uh, but people do it in all kinds of orders and there are other, other themes also that are more elaborate. Uh, for example, the you know, I've heard of the, the Jesus candle and the, the something something candle and the, the prophecy candle. I've heard all kinds of Ways that people celebrate Advent. But I'm going to keep it simple, and today I'm just going to talk about love. Which I've talked about a lot. You know, it's a theme that continues to, to pop up and crop up, and uh, some, something that just won't go away uh, if you're contemplating Jesus, uh, and much more so the Christ. Um, I say that because, because I think Christ... Uh, is sort of like um, Jesus fully born, fully realized in the world, right? Um, And one day, perhaps, we'll be something like fully realized in the world. Um, We recapture our true humanity and and the world is, is finally perfected and, and everything culminates uh, into a reconciled existence, um, th- that's, that's Christ to me. Jesus is the person who came, uh, kind of, I say person, of course he's God. I believe he was Christ in the body. He was Christ in the body. He, he was Christ in the body. Uh, of a human being sorry the heater is cropped up turn that down it's not too cold today uh so i'm not trying to say that jesus was not the son of god i believe he was uh but you know jesus came for a time and for a place uh and for a very um, localized mission uh, that the christ has taken and made a cosmic mission if you will And so what what Christmas represents to me is the time when love was finally fully embodied in a in a in human form. Love was fully embodied in human form. Uh, Jesus is the human embodiment of love. Um and oh way I wonder if I should go on or if I should turn around but I guess I'll go on today I'm running late though oh well I'll take a little different road than usual so yeah G- Jesus is the is love embodied right and of course John tells us that God is love that that the very essence of God is love um and so Christmas represents represents that that plan uh, in action, right? God uh, embodying Himself in in the form of a baby, right? First in the form of an embryo, I suppose, and then a fetus, and and then you know uh, an infant, and and eventually an adult, right? Love was embodied there. Uh, so that, so that he could begin, so, so that he could start the fire and spread the word that, that indeed God of the Israelites is God of the cosmos. Uh, the God of Jews is actually the God of everyone. Uh, the God who chose the people of Israel for his own has also chosen all the people of the world for his own. And that God is now called Christ. Jesus came to to light that fire, so that so that Christ could be all in all, uh, as Paul says in Colossians, right? Um, and so Christmas Christmas is that time that we celebrate when when this all you know when the plan uh, took a big shift, took a big step forward, right? Maybe past the point of no return, if you will. Uh, and it's it's beautiful because of that. You know, it's it's that moment that God, despite man's sin and all the problems that man has had with God and God has had with man, um, which I don't really believe in, uh, when all of those things uh, are shoved aside, right? And, and somewhat, in a sense, forgotten. Um, so that... God can show once for all uh, that he, he loves man, that he is indeed in love with mankind, always has been and always will be, uh, and, and that he doesn't hold man's sins against him. Just the opposite, uh, he, he is investing in man's eternal future. Uh, and, and as a, a pledge, of that love and forgiveness and acceptance, uh, he, he goes to the cross and dies a horrible death, right? To let us know just, uh, to what extent we are accepted and loved. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's the first big step. Christmas, right? Um, birth of Christ, whether it happened on Christmas or not. I'm, this is when we celebrate it and I think that's okay. Um, I have no no theological reason why we shouldn't celebrate Christmas. Um, uh, I, I do theologically disagree with leaving Jesus aside of Christmas, but I don't necessarily believe that Santa Claus and having the tradition of Santa Claus equals mm-hmm. Leaving Jesus out, I think. I think Santa Claus is, is in, in many ways, uh, can be a great metaphor uh, for Jesus, and and at any rate, you know Saint Nicholas, which is where we get Santa Claus. Saint Nicholas actually lived. He was a man who was very passionate uh, about about uh, serving others and taking care of the poor, uh, providing for the poor. Uh, and also standing up against uh, heretical ideas, um, he, he was a he was a real person who lived in history, uh, and and uh, who who we will see uh, in eternity, and uh, I think I think for children, uh, you know, we can use Santa as a as a kind of a parable, as a kind of a a way to. help children understand the idea of unconditional love. Now, the problem is we have, (laughs) in anthropomorphizing Santa, we've anthropomorphized God, or maybe it's the other way around. Uh, Because yeah, Santa has, has been made into a kind of God, in a sense, certainly, you know, he is Saint Nicholas, so he is a saint, he has been venerated by the church. Um, he's been venerated by the church uh, and 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 uh, made a saint and that, yeah, there, there may be some people who actually pray to St. Nicholas and I, not being Catholic, I don't want to speak against such behavior too much because, you know, I tend to come at it from a different perspective and maybe don't understand it as well as I ought. Uh so I'm not going to say anything against that practice. Um, but I just want to point out that St. Nicholas was actually a good person who I believe tried to live a, a, uh, a life like Christ, a Christ-like life. Um, and he has a lot of good things to tell us. So we need to be careful when we talk about you know the, the naughty and nice list um, that, that Santa actually has conditional love, right? I think it's better uh, that we teach that Santa's love is unconditional, and that he gives freely uh, to everybody because he believes in Jesus, and that's how Jesus did it. And I believe Santa did do that. I think I think Saint Nicholas was uh, maybe uh, one of our best examples of of a uh, giving life, a life dedicated not only to God but to those who are in need Uh, and I think we can all learn a lot from the life of Saint Nicholas. Um, So ho 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 celebrate Christmas and and uh, you know use the tradition of Santa to help children better learn about who God is right just as we just as we teach kids about Peter and Paul right uh, in a lot of ways, Santa was also an apostle of Christ, depending on how you term apostle, right? Uh, he was certainly a bishop, and and lived, I believe, in the in the time of Constantine, as the as the church was kind of transitioning from uh, from organic grassroots movement uh, into something more uh, institutional. Uh, it seems like that was about the time that that he lived right around that time I do if I can sneak in here I'm going to try to sneak in here what do you think what do you think there we go. a lot of traffic today and I am running a bit late it's not good not good at all uh so yeah I don't have any problems uh Teaching about Santa, but I I would um, suggest that we we make sure and and help people understand that Santa believed in unconditional love, and he tries to tried uh, to to live by that standard in his lifetime, as far as we know. Um, uh, and besides, you know, it's not like Santa Claus is around today uh, soaking up that worship. I think. You know, he is, um, he would be as embarrassed as anybody. Uh, But hey, Santa, he is here and he's kind of here to stay. And there's not really a lot we can do about it. And I actually don't think saying that Santa isn't real uh, is necessarily helpful to children. I think children need to believe in things, right? They need to be believers uh, first. And they're going to believe in all kinds of things that are not true, but you're not going to tell them the truth about it. For example, they're going to believe that you as parents are perfect, that you can't do any wrong. They'll believe that for a long time. Are you going to sit there and tell them it's wrong? Because it is, right? Some, a meme that was on uh, Facebook just the other day um, said, one thing that kids don't realize when they're young is that their parents are growing up with them, right? The parents are also growing up. And I thought that was uh, a really poignant um, and and relevant way to look at parenthood. You know, we, we need to remember parents that that we're learning on the job, uh, and and the job doesn't doesn't stop. The learning doesn't stop, right? Uh, something that we it's something that we will continue uh, to do into the future. Uh, and so this. G- Jesus is embodied uh, in this baby uh, on on Christmas Day, whatever day that may have been, uh, and this is a good reason to celebrate Christmas. So, how do we how do we how do we learn from the story of the birth of Jesus? What do we learn? Um, there's a lot of things we can learn, right, about about God's love and and how He showed it to us on Christmas. One of the ways is that, you know, perhaps God doesn't love with a lot of fanfare. Perhaps God's love is quite quiet and intimate uh, and local and even personal, right? And and that's where it needs to be experienced, not on some grand gesture. Even though, if you think about it, birth of Jesus, uh, at least least as far as significance and meaning, is the grandest of all gestures. Uh, But he did it in a very understated way. Right? Um, He appeared to some local people, in a local place, uh, to a humble girl, uh, and uh, to a a working man. uh, And made his his plan known, and let them know that that they were they were going to be a part of it, and they accepted their responsibility, uh, and and so Jesus uh, was born to Mary and Joseph. You know, they they rolled with it, and so God rolled with them. Uh, and so we we see that that God doesn't need to start something amazing. Uh, with a lot of fanfare, he can do it in, in quite a quiet way, and and most of the things, most of the truths that I've learned about God, I've learned in that way. It wasn't all the fanfare and the noise and the and the shouting and the you know the the Bible pounding and, and what have you. It wasn't wasn't those kinds of things uh, or those kinds of activities where I learned about God. It was in the quiet moments. Uh, it was in the small gestures. Uh, uh, the meaningful thoughtfulness, right, uh, of how of how God reaches us, uh, and that's 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 how God is. You know, He He works. I believe uh, we say in mysterious ways, and I think uh, I think what that means is mostly He works in ways that we don't even see really, and maybe we don't recognize for a while, right? Because He doesn't He doesn't uh, announce Himself. Uh, with a lot of fanfare all the time, you know. Uh, there's some amazing things that that you know he's been given credit for in the past, and and I think what he's doing is the most amazing thing ever, right? Uh, significance can't be overstated uh, about what he's doing in the world. Um, but but you know he he's not he's not the um, He's not the uh, Pharisee on the street corner who announces to people how, how righteous he is, right? He just, he just, you know, puts his head down and, and touches people here and there in ways uh, that perhaps only they know of his existence, right? Uh, and this is something I read about this morning. I've been reading this book called When Everything's on Fire by Brian Zahn. And he talks about the, the idea of mysticism, right so uh, there there are two ways that christians basically uh, in a sense there are two types of christians today there are christians who know god through mental assent right who think in their mind they have figured him out and have calculated the existence of god right scientifically or mathematically if you will uh, and there are people who know God because they've met Him, they've encountered God, they have they have come uh, at least metaphorically face to face with God. He has uh, revealed Himself in their lives, and they have had uh, an experience with God. And this is what we call mysticism. Now, you can be a mystic, or you can you can have mystical experiences, but this is a way. That, that you can know God um, but you can't really prove to anyone else right uh, and some people would say well then you know we need better reasons my, my father's one of them I love my dad dearly and I think he he has uh, followed Jesus to the best of his abilities uh, and and he has given me a great inheritance. Uh, especially of Bible knowledge and, and, and an example of how to live well uh, in this life. Um, he has his shortcomings, uh, but I love him dearly. Um, but I believe he's, he's striving to prove God scientifically and mathematically, perhaps because he has lacked mystical experience. Right? Uh, but mystical experience, right, the kind of thing that that Paul experienced on the road to Damascus, or uh, you know, different ways, uh, different different experiences that uh, people in the Bible had, where they experienced God. The prophets, of course, were mystics, in the sense that they 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 uh, were revealed messages, and which uh, they tried to pass down to people. That was their job to to be mystical, so that they could. Uh, hear from God and pass on what God says. The writers of the Bible were all mystics, right? We believe they were mystics. Uh, we believe that they wrote down things that that they encountered, right? When they encountered God, they wrote things. Paul was uh, perhaps the, the, the foremost mystic in the Bible in that not only did he encounter a bright light uh, in the voice of Jesus on the road to Damascus, he also was taken up and saw visions, uh, right? We know that he spoke in tongues, he he prophesied, he did all of these things. Uh, these are all mystical experiences. Um, and and only Paul knows God through those things. We can't know those things through Paul experience them we know God through ourselves having mystical experiences and from experience I'll tell you that a mystical experience is incredible Uh, it's it's mind-blowing it's it's something that happens where you finally go oh my god you're right here you know you exist and you know me and you've, you you're you're interested in what's going on in my life you're following my story right and and you know we we get sometimes direct answers to prayers that that couldn't have come any other way right these are all experiences by which you can know god personally but you cannot cause anybody else to know god through your mystical experiences not truly they, they hear about God, they know about God, but only through mysticism do you meet God. Um, in the in the New Testament, we, we remember that the, the centurion, for example, uh, and his family, uh, all were filled with the Holy Spirit and begin prophesying. And then they were baptized later, right? They had a mystical encounter with God. Uh, so Brian Zond, he, he um, separates the idea of mysticism from the charismatic movement of the 1970's, right? Uh, the charis- charismatic movement was mystical, but not all mysticism is, is charismatic, if that makes any sense. Uh, mysticism has kind of moved on from charismatic because charismatic uh, kind of went off the rails in a lot of ways. The charismatic movement. Uh, My my, my apologies to those of you who uh, consider yourselves uh, charismatic or or Pentecostal. uh, Feel free to disagree with what I said here, but I kind of see evidence of it as well. Uh, But it doesn't mean that the best part of the charismatic movement does not uh, persist. Right? I think it does. Um, And I think, you know, different Christians experience different levels of this mysticism. Not everybody uh, is a prolific uh, mysticist. Hmm? Mystic, sorry, (laughs) mysticist. So hard, these words. Not everybody is a prolific mystic. You know, they're, they're not, they don't exist in another uh, dimension all the time, right? Uh, And some of us are novices who have had some mystical experiences that have been enough uh, for us to, to recognize Christ, but perhaps not as much as we like, right? And I don't know that we all have the wherewithal to be prolific mystics, and I don't think you have to be. Uh, but I I do feel like you don't know much of Christ until you encounter Him personally, um, and 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 that's to me that that's that shows how loving God is, right? He doesn't he doesn't put out a, a list of commandments for you to follow and and by which you will know God. Although I will say there are things you can know about God through His commandments. Uh, but that's not how we know God, right? God doesn't do that. He actually enters into our life. He, he begins relationship with us uh, and offers that to all of us. Uh, and, and so, yeah, one of the things Brian Zahn says uh, in this chapter of his book is he says, and he quotes somebody else, and I can't remember the person he's quoting. It was somebody that was new to me. Uh, but the person was quoted as saying, unless the church becomes mystic, it will not survive in the modern era, paraphrasing, right? So, mental ascent is not enough anymore to sustain the church. There was a time, uh, when science and math were not very developed, that, that perhaps, um... You know your traditional your your traditional Christianity was enough, right? Was believable enough the way it was, uh, but in this modern age of science and technology, uh, it's not enough. It's not enough. Mental assent is not enough. You cannot prove God scientifically. Uh, is is what Brian Zond is saying in this book. I think there's scientific evidence of God. I, I just don't think necessarily you can prove Him beyond the shadow of a doubt. And if you could, why, why do we need faith, right? Uh, I know that's an old argument, but I think it still holds water. Um, so, Christmas can be a metaphor for the way that God wants to show His love to you. Personally, right. So just as God came in a small package, in a humble and quiet way, uh, in a in a rural corner uh, of the universe, uh, so too uh, God will meet you in a small way first in your own life, right? That's how that's how He wants to to reveal Himself to you as well, right? Uh, and that's. That's a good thing, right? That's, that's, a, that's a thing that, that is good for all of us because uh, if it weren't so, uh, you know, if it were too much too soon, we may not uh, be able to accept him, right? Uh, perhaps, you know, I'm just spitballing here, obviously. In fact, maybe that should be what I call this podcast, Spitball Theology, Um, but hey, it is what it is. So, yeah, uh, love, love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And he gave his only begotten son in a, in a very subtle, small, uh, but a way that we see as beautiful today. I I doubt it was as beautiful, uh, in the moment, you know, Mary must have been riddled with pain. Uh, Joseph riddled with uh, worry, uh, just like any any birth, right? In that way, I think it was probably like just about any birth. Um, but, uh, you know, even in a small, painful experience, God is there. Right? And so God is interested in the smallest parts of your life. He wants to enter into the smallest parts of your life. The most minute corners of your life. uh, And to give you love there. Not to judge you there. To give you love. Right? Um, Love can be clarifying. Right? Uh, Love can be convicting. uh, But love is not judgmental. Right? And, And... The fact that Jesus did come to earth as a human, right, in human form as a baby and lived some, you know, at least around 33 years on earth, we can trust that he knows what it means to be human. He understands our struggles uh, and our pain, uh, our temptations, right? He, He meets us in that place and says, hey, I understand don't worry, I've got your back. Uh, I'm here for you. Uh, I won't ever leave you or forsake you. Uh, you are my special treasure, right? You are of great value to me. We are Christ's pearl of great price, right uh, and he will spare no effort to to find us and to meet us. Uh, and to reveal His love to us, and in so doing, He reveals our true selves, right? We discover our true self, uh, our true selves in the person uh, of Jesus, right? That's where we finally finally find. That's where we finally find our true humanity. In Jesus, we finally find who we are. And I don't want to say finally find anymore. It's kind of hard to say. Uh, Yeah, we discover our true selves. And that doesn't mean we lose our identity. Right? We we can maintain our identity uh, while still not truly believing who we are. Or or not fully believing who we are. Uh, Not fully realizing our, our potential in the world. Our potential for love and uh, creativity, uh, connection, relationship. Uh, We are, after all, image bearers of Christ. Right? We have the divine image in us. Um. Yep, and amen. I'm glad we do, right? It's a wonderful thing. Uh, without that image, image in us, without that potential in us, uh, we wouldn't be able to reach the heights that we are able to reach. Uh, so, love entered into the world at Christmas. Love enters into you uh, when you'll have it, right? It won't force your way. It won't force its way into your life. It won't force you to accept it. But it's always there. Always ready. Uh, always warm. The light's always on. Uh, however you want to say it. Um, and yeah, I, I, I pray that you uh, will experience afresh uh, I love that word afresh. I could have said anew or again, uh, but afresh sounds so fresh. I hope that you experience afresh the love of Christ this Christmas, and that you will uh, be inspired to share that love with others. Um, and that's 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 the most uh, that's the most we can do. <laughs> to be inspired by the love of Christ, to know His love, to experience His love, and then to to share that love with others. That's that's what we're here for. You know, that's that's the ball game. So go out and play ball. I'm gonna end this right here. I'm starting to uh, repeat myself a little bit. And besides, I'm running late to work, and this might make it that I can squeeze in a little, uh, a little, more seamlessly anyway love you guys bye-bye